Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I am Lynette. And I'm Sean. In recognition of National Adoption Month, we have decided as a podcast family to create a little more content. Uh, Lynette and I and Alicia Gallagher, who is our Director of Communications, are doing some extra interviews and conversations with friends to help us in the adoption community learn more. So, during the month of November, you can expect that we'll be in your newsfeed a little bit more. We hope that this is valuable to you and that it enriches your National Adoption Month. I am Alicia Gallagher, Director of Communications at the Open Adoption Project. You may hear me pop in on a few interviews here and there. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Anna Maria DiDio to the podcast. She is an adoptive mom and author of children's books on adoption. Anna Maria and her husband adopted a seven-year-old girl from a, from a Mexican orphanage, and as she describes it, felt unprepared for the trauma of her daughter's experience in losing her culture. She was inspired to write a memoir, Love at the Border, an adoption adventure. Now she self-publishes children's books with a mission to encourage conversation between children and parents within blended families, focusing on the trauma and grief that is a part of every adoption journey. Anna Maria, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes, it's great. Thank you so much for having me. So just to start things off, I feel like there's a lot in your story and a lot of different directions that we could take it. But I'm wondering if to begin, can you share a brief overview of your experience with adoption? What brought you to the point where you are today? Well, as with many adoption stories, it began with infertility. So uh, we had been trying for years to have a child. I had several miscarriages and uh, we began exploring adoption solutions. And we had submitted paperwork, including a video and all kinds of great things. We, we had a, a good experience with this, uh, with this one agency and I got pregnant. So we, we had a beautiful baby girl, uh, but, but then of course the infertility issues, by that point I was a few years older and the infertility issues continued. And so we began to explore adoption uh, solutions once again and went through a couple of um, signed on with with an agency with an open uh, adoption process. But after a year of being on that waiting list, the agency went out of business. It was in another state really far from us. But and then as our daughter was getting older, we began to explore international adoption possibilities and just perchance happened upon this Mexican, um, it was really a camp, a summer camp for Mexican children in the local area. And some of those children were available for adoption. So that's how the process started. It's very interesting. So that I think you're right that a lot of adoption stories begin with um, infertility. So can you share a little bit more about that part of it? Was it a difficult decision to uh, pursue adoption? Did you feel like you were giving up on this initial hope or did you feel like you had come to terms with the the future of your family not looking like you had exactly anticipated? I'm sort of a very bottom line person. And when you know, the various, the diagnosis came through uh, that the fertility cause was unknown we had tried a number of things, um, you know, up to a certain point. And, uh, you know, I had looked into adoption, but at, at the time, this was, you know, many years ago. 
And I just said, well, this, I knew that I was meant to be a mother. I wanted a family. So that really outweighed everything. And I pursued it with all the vigor of <laughs> looked into um, as much information as I could, I could find out. And then went through the process, psychological evaluations and essays and references. And as I said, a video, and then I, I was pregnant. So uh, it, the commitment was there from the beginning, so we were very acquainted with it when the opportunity came a second time. Mm -hmm. So then uh, take us through that process of meeting your daughter or like, how, how did that go? I'm, I'm not really familiar with the summer camp situation that you described. Yes, so it was very, it, it was very unique. <laughs> it, was, it was. It was a... Um, and I, I don't know the initial connection between this church. It was a Catholic church uh, and they sponsored through, through this other agency that wasn't quite an adoption agency, but this other agency that kind of sponsored the connection of the children coming to this summer camp. And it was kind of like an afterthought in the article. Some of these children are also available for adoption. So when I pursued it, the process was actually much larger than that because to meet the requirements for adoption in Mexico wasn't just what with this one little agency, it was obviously the same process, psychological evaluation and references and many, you know, verification of all of your uh, information. And, and then 12 copies of, of, your, of your booklet to be uh, um, notarized and all that. So, mm -hmm. We submitted all that and then just waited, waited a year. And then a number of, at the time, private and government orphanages slash agencies were participating in the process. And one of them was this uh, agency where, or this orphanage where our, our daughter had lived since she was a baby. She was brought there as a baby and she was six years old at the time. She spent birth to six years old in the orphanage. And then did you go there to meet yes. her specifically? Or were there other children um, that were available for adoption that you had met with as well? No, just just this one child that was kind of selected. And we, we spent two days, uh, you know, in activities, a play, we went to a, um, a playground, and we went out to lunch, went out to dinner, just to kind of get acquainted as a family we brought our daughter you know with us so it was a family experience um but you know in retrospect of course i was wondering what what had she been told here we brought gifts it was fun we went out and and uh you know many years later she said i didn't know who you were or what the heck you were doing but <laughs> right so you know we were all kind of just ill prepared um and and on sundays well, we met her and then for a year, once we were cleared by the courts, we spoke to her every Sunday through uh, a translator just to kind of check in. Hi, how are you? And again, she's, I didn't know who you were. You kept calling me, but we sent some gifts and uh, she really didn't understand until, of course, and this is where the, the trauma comes in. I'm, you know, so all this is happening. So she goes to sleep one night in Mexico and the next day she's uh, in our uh, in our in a bedroom in our home in suburban Philadelphia can you imagine wow yeah and so it was just traumatic but uh, 
we were really not prepared for that and not really thinking in that mindset of trauma just isn't this great we're having our family is she's a wonderful she's a, she, she was adorable of course wonderful addition to our family and and this was a transition that took many years and at the time i just did not recognize that when you met her what did it feel like i i feel like there are a lot of adoption people who are concerned about adoption think I just don't know if it will feel like she is my daughter or we'll feel like strangers for a while. So what was that process like for you, especially having had a a biological daughter previously? You know, I stressed about that as well and, and just meeting her. And again, she didn't really know what was happening, but the time we spent in, in Mexico uh, at our, at our dinner, at our play date, she was just the funniest, cutest, most adorable little kid and uh, was spunky. And this this was a thought that was occurring to me as we were sitting there. I thought, well, you know, she's been chosen because she's so outgoing. She's strong. She's strong mentally. She's strong. She was a, a, like a little leader in the in the, her um, in her play group. You could see that. So I thought this will be, this will be good. This will be, she'll be able to, to take this transition, but again, not really even understanding how big that was. So, well, yeah, it actually sounds like the agency did a good job of that initial meeting, facilitating a couple of days of getting to know each other and spending time together. And then you said it was a year before she was able to come home. So with us. yeah. So an, a year of facilitating phone calls, were there conversations about or training or support that you received on helping her with her transition? No, not really. I mean, I had read read some books about um, adoption, but not not to the extent that I understand it now. And you know, fast forward literally a few years when I stumbled upon the book, The Primal Wound. And so many of the, you know, traumatic behaviors that we were, the way trauma kind of manifested itself in her behavior, what we were seeing was so on point with that book. I mean, the light just, it started dawning on me that this was really all part of her transition. So uh, honestly, and, and again, that was really the uh, the impetus for writing these, these books. I I I knew that I needed to convey the message to other adoptive parents that all adoption begins with separation and loss. Let's recognize that. Let's talk about it. And I've had some other uh, adoptees say to me that, you know, books like mine save lives. I mean, there's just so much invested in this, I'll say, adoption myth. Uh, when when there's understanding on both sides, what is involved, it really results in better outcomes for the children and the parents. That's so well said, because when there's a lack of understanding, then people start to think, well, it should feel like this, or this is abnormal, when really, it does begin with separation, adoption does begin with separation and trauma. And facing that truth head on, will be more helpful for you um, as an adoptive parent and for the child as they grow up. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we, you know, we, we couldn't eat Mexican food every night. 
So we tried to kind of, you know, incorporate some of our traditions, but respecting hers. We we kept in touch. We were still in touch with the um, one of the caregivers at the orphanage and the director of the orphanage. Uh, my daughter did a, a study abroad in, she's 28 now. So she's, yeah, she's 28 now. So, um, you know, she did a study abroad in college in Mexico. And so just, you know, reclaiming her language, staying in touch and all that was part of it that we tried to support as best we could. That is amazing. I think with knowing that it couldn't be a traditional open adoption, like she couldn't have contact with biological family necessarily, but contact with the people who helped raise her for those first six years is still openness. That's still, that that's part of who she is. So that that's incredible that she was able to experience that and that you supported her in that. We went to visit, um, my older daughter did a, a summer, actually it worked out that through her college experience, she worked a summer at the orphanage where my the younger daughter was raised. And so, wow. so we, we, we went back to Mexico and the older daughters, our biological child, her Spanish was better than our younger daughter's Spanish. Wow. So, so that was just such an experience. And I think just, you know, awakened this um, passion and she, you know, came back to the to the U.S. with a with a determination to reclaim her language and and master it and um, uh, and and has done so beautifully and works in the Hispanic community here in our hometown. That's so great. What was that like for your older daughter? How old was she when uh, your younger daughter came to live with you? Uh, it, they were seven and eight. Oh, so close. Okay. So what, what was that like? Were there intentional things that you did to try and um, like foster that relationship and that closeness or did they hit it right off? Uh, what was that process like for you? Uh, well, let's just say they did not hit it right off. Uh, they were, and they're still, you know, not close. They turned out to be completely different personalities, which was, was somewhat understandable. The the older one was, I mean, it was just so interesting, you, you know, uh, and, and a reader. She was a, a musician. She was an athlete. She was, and then our younger daughter. I mean, learning English. You're you're just not going to be. You're gonna. That was an uncomfortable space for her for years, and um, it, it was just. They ended up going to different high schools, which was was a, a good thing. But initially. Uh, we lived in a small town and they, they were two years apart in school. So we kind of kept uh, the younger daughter back a little bit because she needed to catch up and some things, but um, it was, it was, it was kind of a struggle, you know, but, but family won out. It's not like they hated each other. It was just a lot of tension and a lot of, uh, you know, girl arguments and things, but Yes, it's a huge transition for both daughters and for you. So right, she was the older one was an only child for eight yes. years. And then all of a sudden, everything was about her. And that's our whole world was her. So then when the younger daughter just 
she broke down, the, old, the older daughter broke down one night and said, she's getting all the attention. And it just, again, these things just dawned you like maybe too late. I thought, oh, of course. So then I, I tried to carve out time with each individually, you know, making cookies or shopping or doing things with together and separately. And that's, that's been ongoing. So we still do things, we still do things that way. So that's great. That is great. When did you, was there a moment when you realized that there was something that you didn't understand or something you needed to learn more of about your daughter's adoption? Because you you described feeling unprepared for it. Um, was there a, a moment or an experience uh, that you can paint for us? Of- it, was, it was reading that book. It was, it was the primal wound book when, you know, I started to keep a little bit of a journal about some of the um, you know, behaviors and activities and what I was seeing. Of course, we did see, you know, a few therapists uh, individually and as a family. And it wasn't until I, I read that book that I was thinking, well, this was all part of, you know, the trauma. But once I could, once I identified it, it was so much, it seemed like it was so much easier to deal with because I understood it and accepted it. I was always, I was fighting against it. Why, why are you doing this? What's, the, why, what's happening? And understanding really facilitated a calmer house, if you, if I can even put it that way. So, um, so that, that just helped, it helped the whole process. When you say you would have moments where you're thinking, why are you doing this? Do you mind describing some of the behaviors that you saw or um, overall, was it, was it like tantrums? Was it communication yes. challenges? Um, if, if it's too personal, we don't have to go there. But if you don't mind painting a, like a broad picture of what some of that behavior looks like. Well, you know, it was, I'll, I'll say one recurring theme was um, honesty, just being honest about, and as she got older, being honest about where she was, what she was doing, who she was with. And those patterns uh, just kind of kept repeating itself over and over again. We, we were trying to figure out, um, you know, why, why won't you be honest with us and say either what you're thinking, feeling, doing. And once we, we sort of, again, we, we were seeing a, a therapist and uh, who helped us, you know, dig a little deeper and and uh, be honest with each other. And so that was really um, that that's really the behavior that that kind of in my memory resonates the most because we were always trying to get to the bottom of things. And I, I, I say this in my memoir, it was the the therapist that told us to stop asking a million questions. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? <laughs> And just, you know, observe the behaviors that you see in front of you and try and deal with it. But let's not have uh, 50 questions or a quiz show or a or an inquisition. And then that doesn't help our family situation. So we sort of shifted gears a little bit with her suggestions and it 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 helped move us further along as a family. I like that approach of seeing things more like a scientist of well, you just described 
writing things down when you're keeping a journal of what some of the behaviors and activities were that if you approach it with a little bit more uh, observant and scientific mindset, then you might not merge with those intense emotions of wanting to force behavior into a certain way and instead see it happen and deal with that moment instead of tie a bunch of things together. Mm-hmm. And, and all the while, again, back to the myth of adoption, all the while, you know, if, if we were upset or something or or talk to either friends or relatives, they would say, oh, doesn't she realize how lucky she is, you know, to be with you? How you're a wonderful family, how lucky she is. And it's so easy to buy into that. No, no, I, I hate that that mindset because, again, it was dawning on me ever so slowly all that she had lost. So it, it was really all that kind of coming together gradually that, that, that again, helped us move forward. But, you know, in our um, we, we did maintain our, our standards. I mean, she she had to. Um, I mean, obviously go to school, we were preparing her to go to college. And, and so we, we did have some firm kind of guide rails along the way that we weren't willing to give up. So a combination of everything, it did sort of work out. And her, was she learning English the, during that year where she was before she came to live with you or no. no. So when she came to live with you, she was nothing when she when when you adopted her her there were still communication challenges yes how long did that take to uh... well it happened very quickly really within a few months she knew um of course what we were saying and she said things back but it was really the ability to what what i would say succeed in school with reading and writing Again, we, we lived in a small town and the um, at the time, the, I don't know what they're called now. I think it's called something different, but ESL, the ESL um, teacher was someone for some reason that she clicked with totally. They, they really got along famously. She loved working with her. She worked with her two hours a day. Wow. And that really, really helped. And, and she just really, and you know what? It wasn't me which was another good thing. Like parents can't do everything and just hover over everything. So it was, we loved that she had this great connection with this, with this woman. And uh, she really was a lifesaver and helped her, helped her succeed in second grade, third grade. It was so important. So it was, we were fortunate. We have this belief at the Open Adoption Project that as an adoptive parent, we you have to accept that you are not enough on your own and that when you're surrounded by people who can support your child in ways that you might not be able to then it's better for you and it's better for the child so that's so fortunate that she clicked with that ESL teacher because that's not something that you would be able to provide on your own whereas with your biological daughter there was probably more independence there of you can speak my language and we can connect in a certain way so how did that, what did, how was parenting different between your, um, your first daughter and your second daughter? Because just mostly because of the communication challenges, like how did, how did your parenting style change or what things did you do differently just to 
help her understand that you love her, even though she might not understand it. It was interesting because um, our older daughter was uh, in a in a gifted program. She was, as I said, kind of a voracious reader and had wonderful, you know, comprehension and reading. And I honestly, I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I did not help my older daughter with homework ever once in my life. Mm. And the the younger daughter, of course, needed help with with every single assignment we were from the time she got home we would check it and and review oh I don't know the days of the week and the months and the um the this things that you would take for granted that that you know kids would know she just she just had to learn everything so it was a long long process and thank goodness she did have that support and reinforcement at school and so there were difficulties there were the as a matter of fact the this latest book my my third children's book is called carla the conqueror and because i'm i'm not writing about her because she would kill me if i wrote any more about my daughter <laughs> so uh, uh it's about building the confidence to read aloud when english is not your first language so she was asked to do something read aloud and with her sort of tentative English skills, she was nervous. And again, I did not appreciate this at the time. She was nervous as could be. So when it came her turn, and this is, I, I repeat the, uh, the uh, um, sequence of events in my book, she crawled underneath her teacher's desk and she wow. could, could not face her classmates. And, um, so in the in the book, she goes back to her ESL teacher and with practice uh, gets to a point where she could read this story aloud. So that's that's the children's book. Um, and it was interesting. All these years later, I was talking to my daughter. I said, oh, do you remember when you crawled underneath the desk in uh, Mrs. I forget the name of the teacher's name, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Smith's uh, classroom. And my daughter said, yes, do you know I got detention for that? I couldn't oh. believe it. Wow. And I thought, how weird is that? I was really angry. I thought, here she is, scared to death. And she, she said, well, I was fresh to the teacher. I said, well, I don't care how fresh you were. I, I was really surprised that that was the reaction. But I didn't even know it at the time. Either she didn't tell me or I can't, I don't think I forgot, but I would have remembered that. But she got detention for that. And again, the books are meant to open up the conversation, create a little space for these, these children that are dealing with issues that we may have not have thought about. Um, so anyway, that was the, that was one of the uh, inspiring stories for my children's book. Such a vivid image too. And the teacher's response, maybe not coming from a trauma informed education or background. So hopefully that is not happening anymore, but more right now. Yeah. And just so you know, and so our listeners know, I ask these questions about the differences um, in your experience between your biological daughter and your adoptive daughter, not because there is a difference in, in the, the relationship or how much an adoptive parent um, loves each of their children or a parent loves each of their children. But I think it's important to talk about because 
a lot of people might have biological children and are nervous about adoption or foster care or um, or anything like that because they're concerned about what that will look like on the other side or if they'll get along. And so I appreciate you talking about it just to give people an idea of the different approaches that you can take and that you can be one cohesive family if you're flexible enough to respond to their different needs. Yes. Yes. And we've, you know, we, we've traveled together. I mean, it's not always smooth sailing, obviously, but you know, we've traveled together. The girls uh, are, um, you know, do have things in common, obviously. Um, my older daughter was just married and my younger daughter was in the wedding. I mean, there's just, it was, it, it always, you know, makes me cry. So it's, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. Such a journey. Was there a breakthrough moment that you had with your daughter's healing or, um, and her understanding of her identity? Was there a specific instance that you can remember of feeling that connection and feeling like things can get better from here? Or was it more of a slower, gradual process to feeling that connection? Well, I, I have to say when we went to uh, Mexico and uh, because of my older daughter working at the orphanage, there was just sort of, it, it was an unbelievable feeling because it was all those worlds coming together and my younger and older daughter seeing it at the same time, kind of appreciating where they both were and um, just connecting with, with the past and, and still but ready to kind of affirm where we are as a family. And, and she, it, it, she was, um, so ready to do that at that point. It was, it was, it was obvious. It was, so I just, um, in fact, uh, just last month, we just traveled back to Mexico again, just the two of us and connected with uh, some students that she met during study abroad. And uh, she's really just um, been able to be in both worlds and, and just uh, do some tremendous things, so. That's amazing. It really is. And just the way that you have helped her take care of that part of herself, the the part that, that you didn't know those first six years that you, you knew so little about, and she only probably remembers so much of it. So for you, how do you balance the need to discuss the challenges of adoption, but still celebrate your own family's journey? Because I think we we don't want to perpetuate the adoption myth that everything is great and it's all roses, but you also don't want to focus too much on the negative because a lot of people in the adoption community feel like ambassadors in a way that it's important to share the good that can come from it too. So how do you balance that or navigate those sometimes opposite experiences? Well, the, uh, because of the impetus for writing the books is about the recognition of the trauma and loss. But within the books themselves, of course, the message of love and support, you know, comes through. So when people, people to this day say, oh, she was so lucky to get you as a family or, uh, you know, or, oh, your books are so great adoption. It's, it was, uh, it was so great that you did that. 
I said, okay, but you, you know, remember the reason I'm writing these books is because, so I go back to my, my premise, adoption begins with separation, loss, and trauma, and is different. Every adoption is unique. So I try to stress those things so that people understand my theme or my message first before they're all, you know, um, gooey and giddy about what a great job I did as a parent. No, no, not, not really. Let, let's remember, you know, what we, what we had to deal with here. And, uh, and, you know, the more time that goes by, the more credit that I give to my daughter for her resilience, which she is very, uh, you know, matter of fact, and, and just, you know, strong mentally to, uh, to, just come through this the way she has. And, and uh, she works a, in a stressful environment in, in the nonprofit world now and, and is, uh, it, but even after all these years, she is very, um, um, she's open about her adoption roots, but careful to share it in a way that's, um, uh, you know, thoughtful and recognizes the, the difficulty and the, the victories that she's had. Is that something that she's developed over time on her own or? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's because in the beginning, um, I think, you know, years, years ago, she was telling me about even going out with friends and she had this one friend, you know, they'll be out somewhere. And this one friend said, Oh, um, you know, she's adopted. And, and, you know, my daughter knew enough to say, you know, that's my story to tell. That's not for you to sit there and tell our whole group of friends. So she, she has this, she has a, a, a great sense of self. And I, I think she, she knows her, her own mind. And, and I really a, applaud that. So I've learned from her. And um, uh, so again, when people are just, oh, it's so wonderful. I, I really try and get back to my message because that's, again, this conversation that I had with another adoptee was so profound. She said, you know, your, your books are really saving lives because the adoptees have to know that this is part of the process. My second book is called How I Wonder Where You Are. And it's uh, the, the uh, adopted, it's a series. So it's the same, the same girl thinking about on her birthday, you know, does she think? She thinks about her birth mother and where she came from. She doesn't look like her family because, you know, people, people would say to us in the line at Disney world or at the restaurant, she doesn't look like you, but people don't hold back. You know, there's always the, and you, know, you have to be able to, to handle that. And I, I, I want the message for the adopted children to be, it's okay. If you're, you're, you're going to, you're different from your family. You, and it's okay to ask those questions and feel different, but but celebrate your time as a family. The love is there. The love is there. So it's 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 a mix. It's never just. There are so many adoption books that it's you know birds and sunshine and flowers. And I'm so glad we found you. And that's great. But my message, I think, stands apart in that we've got to recognize. The, the the trauma and the loss and the grief that's there and appreciate the love that that is given how do you respond to people or how that are standing in line and they see that she looks different from you what did you have a go-to phrase or question 
to uh, to to handle those too invasive types of questions? Um, you know, it's funny when I look back on the, most of the response has been kind of stunned silence. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty normal because it's so, it's so shocking that someone could say something like that, even if they're not ill-intentioned, it, it's still shocking, even if you're anticipating it or you're aware of it. Right. I, I just, I think one time I just said, well, she's my daughter. So, or something. Um, but it was funny, even in Mexico, it, it was another kind of funny, funny, weird moment when I, when I was mentioning to you earlier that the older daughter's Spanish was better, but of course my younger daughter looks Hispanic. The waitress was totally confused. And she, I could still see her. She pointed her pen at my younger daughter and said, in Spanish, you don't speak Spanish. What, what's with this? Why? And you know, my older daughter's accent is kind of, mm -hmm. <laughs> she was wondering what is going on here. So that was interesting. But yeah. Um, People don't know their brain isn't computing what's in right. front of them sometimes because right. it's it's not common. Yeah. Is there a question or a phrase that you want to replace she's so lucky with? That's a very I think it's a very common thing that parents say to adoptive parents, oh, she's so lucky that she has you. How fortunate. Is there something else that people could say instead or a way to handle that because it's it is an involved conversation of saying well actually not lucky but here's here's five minutes on trauma and, and separation um so how how do you think people should better have those conversations well here's here's where i've gone previously i said well i've said things something like well that's you know one way to to see it however when when you think about all that that she's lost, it really it really made me and I put it back to me. It really made me stop and think. You know, maybe at one time, you know, I thought that too. But when I think about her food and her culture and the beautiful women, you know, at the orphanage, and it was really, you know, I just honestly. And lately, I've been saying I'm so lucky because. I mean, we've had this deepened relationship recently. I, I just mentioned we traveled to Mexico together. And, you know, when your children are older, you're a lot younger than I am. When your children are older and you start to do things like go out to dinner and do go to shows or events or lectures and hear some thought provoking things, you have these discussions that uh, and I just think, well, how, gosh, how, how lucky am I that I just have this amazing little kid that is uh uh that loves me and and uh like when, and sometimes I think she'll forget herself and this is really uh don't laugh she'll call me mommy and she'll I mean older kids don't do that but sometimes she'll forget and she'll do that and, I'll, and I won't say anything but I'll think how lucky am I this is so wonderful <laughs> so anyway it's a mix. I hope that that was a long answer, but uh, yeah, I, I like that. It's a very kind and compassionate response of, of just thinking, well, I act, I feel lucky. And maybe if there's an opportunity later to say, well, when you consider everything she's lost, it's a, 
there's a little more going on, but I do feel so lucky. That's such a kind response. Right. But there's, you know, lately I've noticed maybe that's just the way we've evolved as a country uh, online. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hate uh, directed at adoptive parents and what we, you know, what we stand for, what we've done or what we've said. And, and I just, uh, that's why I'm hoping, you know, my books move the conversation so that um, children and parents can can talk about these things and it's more out in the open. That's my that's my passion. That's my mission. Yeah, let's talk more about that. So you have your memoir, Love at the Border, an adoption adventure. And then you also self-publish these children's books like Carla the Conqueror. And what was the second one that you mentioned? So the second one was How I Wonder Where You Are. Beautiful title. Yes. And then the first one was Many People to Love, which was really a reflection uh, on um, just how this whole crazy family comes together. I want to know more about why you're choosing children's books as the as the format, because I, I think it's wonderful because there you can read them with your child the child learns the parent learns you can also gift them to people because you have family members nieces and nephews that might not understand but it's an approachable way to talk more about complicated topics so um maybe i'm putting words in your mouth but was that kind of the 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 reason no no question yes total and but my one phrase that i'd like to Uh, put in there is the earlier the better that's why I was thinking children's books because children can even look at the pictures and one of the things that I've read that was very impactful was that the parents should begin to talk about adoption if, if, if if they've adopted a baby for instance begin to talk about adoption even before the concept of adoption is even understood just have that, the story. Kids want to hear their story over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, because our daughter was seven, it, it was a whole different kind of kind of ball game. And I had a lot of catching up to do that I did. I was a little late to that party. So I was thinking with children's books, if these concepts are... Um, are initiated by the adoptive parents because the kids are thinking them. So their concepts are initiated by the parents. It, it will be accepted and understanding and, and um, just you're after what's going to make the family thrive together. And that's my goal. I love that. I think that the, uh, the, the kids don't have words for it, but they're thinking it. And you're right that the, the grownups, the adults, the parents, the, whoever is in their life needs to have the language for it. So before they're even talking or before, like you said, the word adoption even comes up, if the, if the adults have already been telling this story and they're comfortable with it, they're familiar with it, they know how to talk about the hard realities, but also help the child feel safe and loved and supported, the more practice, the better. I love that. Yes, that's the, that's the goal. That's the goal anyway. So it's been, um, so there are three books. I'm actually now thinking of switching genres and working on a, a story about a family that's maybe a little bit older along the uh, path and 
work adoption in there. So it's the story continues. (laughs) That's wonderful. Where can our listeners find your books or find you to connect with you? Uh, well, uh, there's a lot of information on my website, and that's amdio.com, amdido.com. And I've got some, you know, background information on there about the um, uh, about us as a family, some pictures, some recipes that were uh, meaningful, very important things like Mexican lasagna that we sort of like made. I mean, there's lots of recipes out there. We kind of made our own. Um, but the books are for sale uh, in Amazon, on Amazon and in Barnes and Noble. Wonderful. So, but the links are in the website too. Okay, great. Is there anything else that you want to share that we haven't covered yet about your story, about your books or anything else? No, I just think that uh, the, the best thing adopted parents can do is, is uh, I always say three things, network, do your research, network with parents that are in similar situations. And then, as I said, my books are part of the solution there in terms of being honest and open and uh, communicating as much as possible, as early as possible. Wonderful. Well, Anna Maria, thank you so much. It has been a pleasure to talk with you and learn more about your story and about your books. And we will include this information on, um, on our social media so people can connect with you and Yeah, just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love the conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We hope you found this content helpful and enjoyable. If so, we would love for you to share it with a friend or an acquaintance that it might help. We'd also love to connect with you on social media. We're on Instagram at Open Adoption Project, or you can look us up on our website, openadoptionproject.org. Thanks so much for being here with us and learning with us. 